Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. Let's go to the phones and joining us, Mr. Nate Flinsky. Good morning, Nate. Man, Terry, that one was so nice. I'm almost scared. It's almost like I'm in trouble and you're just fluffing me before I, like, get hammered down on Well, you know what I think it is? That we spent the whole last year being good to you, and I developed a bad habit. I'm just having a tough time breaking. So, I love it. I appreciate it. We'll see how long it lasts. But, you know, in all seriousness, we kid a lot. But you've been an integral part of the show for many, many years now. And you bring us a lot of great inside fishing and hunting, and you're a great contributor. And don't expect me to repeat that. I'm going to tell them not to record that, just so you know. <laughs> I appreciate it. So what's going on? Things are a change. You know, I said earlier in the show, Bob Dylan said, the times, they are changing, and they sure are. Jeez, Louise, Terry, I'll tell you what. Um, I, yeah, crazy, crazy. So, you know, just kind of a recap. Let's start off with uh, kind of front-range ice. We'll talk about ice. Uh, let's talk some shore fishing and some hunting. So we got a lot to cover, but front range ice. So my last day on the front range, I spent on Chatfield and I ice fished Chatfield Thursday. So just two days ago. But with that said, I officially called that my last trip. Um, so I was out literally last weekend on this show and I could get on the lake anywhere. So I could walk to any point on Chatfield, access the ice. We were nine to 12 inches and things were amazing. Um, we had wind Sunday night. It wasn't terrible, but with the, the water rising, so basically they closed down uh, or shut down a lot of the flow leaving the reservoir, so the reservoir started to come up. Then we had some wind Sunday, and we lost a little bit of that access. So Sunday, Monday, we lost a little bit of the access, but then we had severe winds late at night, really just right there at kind of the – the bowl of Chatfield uh, and it swung over to kind of Cherry Creek and that, that wind just destroyed the ice very heavily on Wednesday. So now, uh, you know, again, I, I was able to access ice and had a great day of walleye fishing on Thursday, but it is just getting too hard to get on the body of water. We're seeing a lot of water on like the point, um, seeing a lot of water starting to hit anywhere where you're getting like rocks on the sun. Um, so Chatfield, uh, again, I called it off, so I'm no longer ice fishing Chatfield. Uh, it is still mostly ice, um, but there is little few pockets of water here and there. Cherry Creek is icing off quicker. Um, you know, you have a lot of water by the marina at Cherry Creek. Uh, you have water on the south side. You have water on the east side. Um, still a lot of ice, but but Cherry Creek is definitely de-icing faster. Um, same thing there. A lot of water coming in with these sunnier, longer days. Um, not as much water leaving, and then the winds beating that up that same Wednesday night that hit that, that windy storm there. So uh, we are definitely losing ice quickly uh here on the front range so uh it was sad to see it go but you know ice fishing until middle of march was something that we're not used to and very lucky to have done it uh but now it's definitely time to start thinking about the long rods on the front range that's for sure well i couldn't agree more and you know we're gonna hit again i find myself saying this is one of my favorite times of the year every season and it's probably because i like to fish year round so (laughs) i don't like you know so but every time of the year, it presents unique opportunities, and spring is no 
so different than on. Now, we're still going to have ice fishing opportunities up at Granby and Blue Mesa and, and maybe up some of the other lakes you fish. You can tell us about that, 11 mile maybe. But we're going to see more and more people like you did saying, okay, I've, I've ice fished enough this year. It's been a long, cold winter, longer than usual, kind of gloomy. I'm ready to get out in open water, and even if I can't launch my boat yet, and there's some great shore fishing opportunities that are going to happen very quickly up and down the Front Range. Absolutely, Terry. You know, before we start talking about the ice, I mean, just right now, um, you know, these walleyes are in a pre-spawn state, and literally in the next couple of days, you're going to start seeing them in the spawning state. So, you know, any of the points, and those points tend to de-ice first. You can go to any of the points on any of these bodies of water, your Chatfields, Cherry Creek, or even a lot of your, like, smaller lakes around Lakewood that have sogai in them. Um, we're starting to see all these lakes kind of ice off. And there is no resting time. We're in middle of March. It's that time where the walleyes are, are shallow, especially in low-light periods of the day. So grab a jerkbait rod, go out there, hit a point. Um, now is that time of year where whether you are on a boat or from shore, you're catching the same fish. You know, Once we open the boats, we'll be fishing those shorelines. If you're on shore, you're just casting out towards where the boats are. So it doesn't really matter. It's kind of that shared water time of year. Um, and there is a great walleye bite going from shore as all this ice is off. Uh, I already seen a lot of anglers getting out, catching walleyes from shore. Um, so that bite exists. So, you can literally go from hanging up the, the ice rod in this last week uh, to taking out the long rods. And, again, I would put a major focus um, on points, low-light periods of the day, and throwing those jerk baits. And that, that's going to be a surefire technique to catch walleyes, let alone the fact that a lot of our inlets are the first to, to de-ice um, you know, and open up as these bodies of water kind of start to melt. Um, and we're seeing a lot of rainbows in those areas. So the South Platte coming to the Chatfield, there's a ton of rainbows moving in there. Um, same type thing at Cherry Creek and, and a lot of the up and down reservoirs. So um, whether it's walleye or big rainbows, uh, there's definitely opportunity with the long rods from shore right now. And, you know, if you just want to catch some fish and you're like me, you're not too fond of getting up in the middle of the night to fish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um Stock trout. I mean, if you want to take somebody out and catch fish, those trout are stocked usually at the boat landing areas. Boat landing areas have rock and cement. Usually the ice goes away very quickly. There's going to be some great shore fishing up and down the front range for stock trout right now. It just a, just a, right around boat landing areas. Absolutely, Terry. I mean, anywhere where they can put in that stocking truck type thing is where those fish return to and or where they'll be putting in, literally starting here really shortly. So, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, since we have a little bit of time, let's start talking about ice, just the remaining there. The predator bite that we've been talking about for two weeks, Terry, um, is just getting better and better. So, you know, your Anteros, we're going to be looking at another, you know, at least three to four weeks of, of very fishable ice. Same thing at 11 Mile. Um, same thing at your Williams Forks, your Grambys, all of those bodies of water. Um, that ice is in good shape. I hit two or three mountain reservoirs this week. Uh, my ice was anywhere from as thin as about 18, 19 inches to places like Terriol that are 30-plus inches right now. So lots of ice, but, you know, the big lake trout are 
definitely kind of getting into that agitated state of being sick of being under the ice cap. So we're definitely seeing the Lakers getting more aggressive. Um, the pike, hands down, are ten times more aggressive right now. Um, so that pike bite is second to none. So that's been great. We're seeing our rainbows slide up shallow. So, you know, rainbows and cut bows and entero, uh, those fish are sitting up in two, three feet of water. So that bite's been phenomenal. And the kokanee bite really took off this last week at 11 miles. So I uh, had some great trips to 11 miles for kokanee salmon. So the mountains, why they still have ice, if you don't want to take out that long, like we just talked about, lots of opportunities up in the high country and a lot of combo trips. You know, we're doing really well on the pike at the, the second half of the day. I wouldn't say low light, but a lot of our guided pike trips, we're starting at noon and going till six or starting at, you know, one o'clock and going to seven. So we're really kind of hitting the tail end of the day. So you could go up to 11 mile, catch your salmon in the morning and switch over to pike in the afternoon or go to Williams Fork, start off with your lake trout, then do pike in the afternoon. So a lot of opportunity out there for those fish right now, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I can imagine that it's going to be tremendous. And it's going to be, we're going to have good ice in the mountains, like you said, for at least another two, three weeks. But I think one of the things this time of the year is check before you go because things are changing rapidly and road conditions and ice conditions and everything can change so quickly with the sun so high and direct in the sky. Did you want to switch over and do a little big game? What's going on there? I think should, Terry. You know, the big game draw is open. My phone is absolutely blowing up with people, you know, having questions. You know, what should we do? The big game draw is out. You know, we're putting in in early April, so we have a couple weeks left. Everybody's trying to make decisions. And I love seeing it, Terry, because I've been kind of preaching and more so trying to educate all hunters out there to get out of their bubble. You know, if you did a poll and you just walk through like the ISE show and you talk to a hunter, you know, so many people are, I'm a bow hunter and they are a dedicated hardcore bow hunter or all they do is muzzleload or all they do is rifle hunt. And I tell people, you know, if you are, are really stuck to a method, all of a sudden the way that the draw works in Colorado and having points, you don't get a hunt as much, you know, because one unit might take so many points with a bow, but it might be, you know, over the counter or very accessible um, to draw a tag with a rifle or vice versa. One unit might be very, you know, hard to draw with a rifle, but over the counter with archery and so forth. So I constantly am telling hunters like, hey, just hunt, you know, be a hunter, you know, archery hunt for this and muzzleload for that and then rifle hunt for this and Take advantage of all the opportunities, you know, and on years when you have a lot of points, you know, hunt the premium tag. When you don't have points, you know, take the, the tag that's more accessible and ready to get. Don't, you don't have to take years off. You, you don't have to only hunt when you have a lot of points. You know what I mean? Um, so, so I've been getting a lot of calls with a lot of open-minded hunters lately, and I love seeing that. People are just saying, hey, I have a bunch of points. What should I do? Um, and I love hearing that. So I've been kind of walking through everything and kind of the, the perks of what I'm seeing right now, Terry, um, that what I'm telling a lot of people is, number one, for September, our moon phases are pretty awesome. So our full moon is August 30th. Um, so then again, the next full moon is at the end of September. The new moon is on February 14th. 
um, which I love seeing. So I think regarding the elk rut, um, most of the peak elk season is going to be without a major big peak moon. So one, it's going to just slow down a little bit of that nocturnal activity. I mean, they're still great at night. They still can see, but I think you're going to slow down a little bit of that nocturnal activity, which I see, love to see. And the new moon being right where that peak rut is, that's where they're going to, they're going to peak at that rut, that kind of new moon phase. But I think without having the full moon tied into that September time frame, I think it's going to allow the, the estrus phase of the cows to kind of last a little longer. So I think these cows are going to go in and out of, out of the estrus phase spread out more. So I'm kind of hoping for a, a little bit, I don't, I don't really want to say a longer rut, but longer vocalization of the elk. Last year, we saw a very united rut. We saw the elk almost all peak within a 48-hour period. And if you were out there during that, you had the most epic hunt of all time. But on both sides of that, it was a little harder to hunt. So the way the moon hits the year, um, I really think it's going to be a really good rut year. So I, I'm really encouraging muzzleloader and archery hunters. I think it's going to be a really good September for that tag. Um, then that late rifle, the fourth rifle, is still falling pretty late as we're kind of moving along in the five-year structure. Um, so, you know, this is basically, again, like year three of having a longer, later fourth rifle. So a lot of people burn points in the last two years on that fourth rifle tag. So whether that is a rut tag for deer um, or a late rifle wintering herd for elk, and that can be both cows and bulls. Uh, but regardless, we saw a huge increase in the need for needing extra points to draw that late rifle hunt because so many people burn their points to get a rut tag for deer or a really winter herd on elk. Um, and a lot of those people have burned those points where things are getting a little bit more easy to draw this coming year is what kind of stats are pointing towards. So um, we think there's going to be a lot of opportunity in that fourth rifle for some great tags. So I'm encouraging a lot of hunters that say, hey, the last couple of years, the points, you know, went up. Um, I think that's going to plateau a little bit this year, allowing for some of those fourth rifle tags to get drawn. So I think this year I'm putting a lot of focus on that September rut for elk, both muzzleloader and archery, and putting a huge emphasis on wintering elk and or the deer rut in that fourth rifle um and that's where we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of the emphasis as far as my concerns and kind of my thoughts on the upcoming season i'll make a quick comment when we said about get out of your bubble um i've hunted archery and i've hunted rifles i've hunted shotgun with slugs for big game and in all the different seasons and all the different ways you learn something that helps you even if that's not your favorite way every every bit of time you spend in the woods in an alert mode, a hunting type mode, the knowledge you gain is fruitful for everything else you do. And and so get out there and just spend time doing it. Even if it's not your favorite one, you'll end up with a really good activity. One last question before I let you go. Um, we're running a lot later with winter this year. Any idea how far spinny is off? Because that question is going to start coming up every week, you know. Absolutely. So we got two things with that. Number one, there's still a lot of ice up there, you know, so we're looking at, you know, inlet areas being at 18 inches thick, other areas being 20 plus inches. So lots of ice at Spinney. The water is lower than I've ever seen it uh, prior to 2001, 2002. Um, so Spinney is extremely low. So I would anticipate 
company having an ice off, um, you know, to where the reservoir is 100% ice free to where it possibly open for fishing. Uh, I would say within that first week of May, you know, I don't think it'll go in August, in April, uh, but it could. Uh, but late, late April, early May, I think we're going to see spinny ice off. With that said, um, I am very concerned um, that I don't think we're going to see boating on spinny until very late May, if not even June. Um, again, this is coming from me. Uh, this is not coming from a Colorado Parks and Wildlife you know, advisory or anything like that. But uh, I tend to know the water levels. I'm looking at things on a daily basis. Um, and, and I don't envision it being open for boating um, by any means when the reservoir first opens. So when they open it to the public, it'll probably be shore access. Um, and then it will open up to boating later on. But the water is extremely low. So I think that's one of those things that uh, if you're anticipating that bite, um, I know at least from a guiding standpoint, we are planning elsewhere and, and other trips um, just due to the, the current water state at Spinney right now. We are out of time, my friend. If people want more information, it's tightlineoutdoors.com, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. That's it. Yeah, we'd love to get you out. And we, uh, we are now starting to book our open water walleye trips uh, as we're starting to get an idea of when those reservoirs are going to ice off. So we've been kind of holding off for a while, but if you're interested in a walleye trip this coming spring, get a hold of us or Big Predators to the Ice. Uh, we're operating daily right now. Love to take you out. All right. We will talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. All right. Nate Polinski. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, the folks from Jacks are going to tell us what's the status of the fishing industry. Can you get the gear? What kind of gear should you be looking at to start off your open water season? All that and more. And then Ronnie Castellone is going to teach us, teach us to catch walleyes in the spring. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jacks Outdoor Gear. Speaking of Jacks, joining us from the one in Broomfield is Mitchell Wood. Good morning, Mitchell. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. What a beautiful sunny day. And uh, I don't know if you got to listen to any of the show, but people's minds are turning to open water. And we're going to talk a little bit about getting them ready for that. <clears throat> Real quick, though, you're at a combo store, and sometimes we don't differentiate enough. Jacks has actually three kinds of stores. They have their outdoor gear store, they have their ranch and home store, and then their combo store. And I've been in a couple of the combo stores, and I tell you what, you guys just have everything from fishing rods to nuts and bolts. There's about nothing I that I need that I can't find there. No, that's absolutely true. I've worked here for seven years, and I'm still finding things that I didn't realize that we carried. So we really do have everything from fishing, hunting, camping, hardware it the list goes on really it really does now some people might go to one that's just a ranch and home and be disappointed about the lack of sporting goods or go to a sporting goods one outdoor gear one and 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 but go to the outdoor gear for outdoor gear and the home and ranch for those hardware items but boy the combo stores are just incredible you know people are and we've been talking about people are saying, okay, I'm done with ice fishing. There's still going to be some great ice fishing up in the mountains uh, for the next two, three weeks, places like Granby and Blue Mesa and 11 Mile. But it a, was a long, dreary winter, and people are saying, I want to fish open water, and the ice is going away from shore. Uh, a lot a lot happened over the last couple of years with COVID and things where people who got excited about fishing all of a sudden couldn't find the right gear so let's start out, first of all, by availability. Then we can talk about maybe what they should use. 
how is the availability of fishing gear going into this spring? So the availability of fishing gear is great. I've definitely seen a huge increase in all of our vendors' output of product. So right now we've got a lot of stuff available um, from Berkeley to all of your favorite brands, Abu Garcia, Zebco, Quantum, uh, fishing line lures, everything. We've really got it, and we see shipments daily. So it's only getting better from here on out. Now, if I'm coming in, uh, let's kind of take both. I'm a beginning angler or I'm taking a youth angler out or I've been fishing and I want to upgrade my gear. Take me through some of the rod and reel options I might have. Yeah, we've got a lot of different rod and reel options. We've got some closed face Zebcos if you're just getting started. We've got plenty of youth combos for the new angler. Um, we can always give great advice on where to go, what to use. But we really want to see our customers succeed and come back with these success stories. So we've our price points start out about $20 for your entry-level combos, and you can really go as far as about $140 for a combo set together. But we also have the option of piecing together combos. So there's a lot of versatility and there's a lot of choice, and we can walk through every customer to get them what they need. Now, I know you have a lot of high-end stuff like Luz and St. Croix, and, uh, and on the fly rod side, you have a lot of great, um, great offerings. But one combo that always stuck out to me at the intermediate angler who's just moving up to that next grade of equipment is the Fluger slash um, Fenwick combos. Fenwick makes some great rods that can be tacked for certain applications or they can be more widespread and the fluger reels especially that in that president range uh you can get into a combo that i would feel comfortable fishing tournaments with without without breaking the bank and you get really quality gear oh absolutely i agree 100 percent fluger's uh, teamed up with Fenwick in their Eagle rods, and it's a great combo rod. Like you said, uh, great quality. I would fish it all day long. I've got some higher-end equipment, but I would not mind picking up one of those. And those range anywhere for about 110 to 140. We can always put new line on there for you and make lure recommendations as well. So we've got some really good quality combos. You know, that you brought up line, and one of the biggest things we all preach people starting in spring and I violate I know I tell people to do the right thing and I get myself in trouble because I don't always follow my own advice but going into this open water now is the time um, to make sure you've got the good line and the right line on your rod isn't that you're real oh absolutely I would say that's one of the primary things you want to think about going into this new season is having some new line on your reel the worst thing you want to do is have old line on there, hook into a nice fish, and lose it. So we've got lots of options for line, and we have it in bulk. We can put it on any time of day. Um, come in, we've got lots of choices from monofilaments, Triline XL, Strand Original. We've got fluorocarbon vanish. We've also got some Triline fluorocarbon and a couple super lines like Fireline as well. And we can walk through the differences and all that and what's going to pertain to you and the application that you're using it for. Now, so if I come in with a reel, let's get, I mean, I can buy packages of different amounts of line and those are available. But if I want you to put line on, what's, what am I looking at for price-wise? Say I'm just one mono. And the one thing I'll say with mono, folks, if you're going to put mono on, 
put it on the spring and probably put it on again in the middle of summer. It's inexpensive, but the water and the sunlight are going to make it start to get kinky and not act right. But it's very forgiving and easy to fish with when it's new. What is it going to cost me to put some, let's say, XL on my on my reel that I either brought in or bought from you? The Trilene XL, we've actually got a really good price on that, probably the best in town. It's going to be $0.02 cents a yard. Your average arbor is going to take about 165 yards, so you're looking at anywhere from a dollar, about $2 to about $6 to fill an average size reel. And we can do that process all within minutes. And you don't even have to worry about taking your old line off. We can do that for you. The whole process takes usually less than five minutes. And and you get it on right, too. I know Ronnie likes to talk to us about getting line on, especially super line, if you do it yourself, and he's going to have some tips on that. But having you guys string it on, you get it the right amount, and you get it well-placed and not on backwards because some people don't understand how to transfer that line. And you also do fluorocarbon and super lines. What about bait? Do you guys carry a lot of bait? Oh, yeah, we carry all sorts of bait. We have dilly worms, which are baby night crawlers. We've got 12-count night crawlers, 24-count night crawlers. In the summertime, we start to carry leeches, but we've also got minnows, medium shiners, and large shiners, and occasionally fathead minnows as well. You know, this is the time of year. Um, people, A lot of people went to minnow fishing this winter. It was really effective through the ice, more than I've seen in years, and a lot of them are going to carry that over, and by just taking that same minnow rig you fish through the ice and putting it under a slip bobber, it can be one of the most effective ways to fish, especially in spring when the water's cold. And I think we're going to see a lot of people doing that. And what a great way to fish. You could explain how to rig that and set people up, right? Oh, absolutely. We can definitely do that. And I think that's a great point. Uh, minnow fishing, especially early ice off and going into the spring, these, these bodies of water are still cold, these fish don't want to work a whole lot for a meal, so a minnow under a slip bobber is a sure way to go to have some great success going into the springtime. And last, before I let you go, this is a good time to replace broken and lost tackle, and don't forget about a fishing license, which you can get at Jack's too, right? Absolutely. The new fishing license went into into effect. They're going into effect on March for, or April 1st, but you can get them now. You can buy them anytime that you want. And as far as lure selections, we've got tons of different great lures, all of your favorites uh, from your Berkeley products to your MEPS rooster tails, Ned rigs, basically anything that you need going into the springtime. And we can make lure recommendations depending on where you're going to go or even give you recommendations on where to go. If anybody's still hitting the ice, do you still have your ice gear out too? We do. We have plenty of ice fishing gear out, too. We've got jaw jackers, which are highly sought after. We've got plenty of shelters, augers, electric augers, accessories. We've still got a great abundance of ice fishing gear, and we're probably going to keep it out at least until the 1st of April. All right, my friend, we'll let you go. But, boy, the fishing bug is hitting people. I think you're going to get a lot of people coming in. Mitchell, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Terry. Yes, Mitchell Wood from the Jackson Broomfield. We're going to take a time out, and Ronnie Castellani is going to delve into this spring walleye. He's one of the best. He's going to tell us how he approaches it on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. 
listening to Carrie Weeks from Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones because everybody is on the edge of their seat wanting to know how to catch these spring walleyes. And let's bring in Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How you doing, buddy? You know, I'm doing great, and uh, it's amazing how a week will change your outlook on fishing. A week ago, everybody thought they were still going to be ice fishing on the front range, and all of a sudden, I was out checking some lakes myself yesterday. Carter Lake was about a third open. You could see where Boyd was starting to open. Horsetooth in South Bay and a little bit on the points. Ice was receding. And with the warm weather and the high sun we've got coming, even though we got a cold day or two, um, there's going to be lots of opportunities. And I know one of your favorite is spring walleyes, who normally were chasing earlier than this this year. So what do we do? 100%, Terry. Uh, you know, it's, it is definitely that time of year. And with these warmer especially wind. I mean, the wind is blowing today. There's no doubt about that. Lakes are going to be opening. I drove around yesterday as well down here around Loveland, and I saw quite a few lakes with open water, Terry, and there's one real big one right by us that's completely open. There's no ice on it at all, Terry. So there is the opportunity to get out right now and do some shore fishing for the walleyes, and it's, it's, a, it's a great time of year, Terry, for that kind of a thing. You know, let's, let's talk about a few things. There's so much we could talk about, Terry, but, you know, the walleyes are definitely on everybody's mind. It, it's coming. It's going to be going here for the next few weeks. I know that my Facebook app has been sending me reminders and memories from years past of me holding up walleyes. And so that that's a good reminder that tells you it's time to get out. And that those, those fish tend to start to become shallow this time of year, Terry. That's the big key is they're getting into locations that you can access them from the shore and they're thinking about spawning here in the next few weeks, maybe in early April at the latest up here in northern Colorado. But there's an opportunity to get out and target those fish with a few different presentations. But one of the big ones that a lot of guys like to do, and it's definitely one of my favorite things to do, is get out there and target them with big jerk baits this time of year, Terry. I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to get take these jerk baits, and I'll have you give us some examples. Um, what kind of gear do you like to use, and is there times of the day, or do you fish all day long? Well, it can. Let's talk about the gear first. So, uh, generally, I'm going to be throwing my jerk baits on a spinning rod setup of some sort, uh, a rod that's in that six six to seven foot length. Uh, I prefer to use a medium power, fast action rod for these sort of presentations. Um, I tend to have my spinning reels. Uh, with uh, some sort of a super line on them, Terry, for this sort of a thing. So anywhere from a 10 to 15, maybe 20 pounds at the heaviest uh, braid or uh, another style of super line will all work. Um, I tend to like to put fluorocarbon leaders on those presentations. Uh, The leader usually somewhere in that, let's call it two feet to three feet length, that sort of a thing. And then big jerk baits tend to be the things that I'm looking for this time of year, Terry. Uh, jerk baits that are going to be four to five, maybe six inches. So something like a, a classic husky jerk can be a really good choice for getting out and uh, catching these walleyes. Uh, the old rattle and rogue type uh, jerk baits, those are kind of a, a traditional one that people have thrown forever. And, and, and certainly there are some days you just can't beat that rogue for getting those walleyes to bite. Uh, Berkeley's got some newer jerk baits that are also really, really good jerk baits for this sort of a thing so like a stunna uh 110 or a 112 size jerk bait and then uh berkeley's also got that that newer hit stick that they've put out which is also an excellent choice um the hit stick is kind of 
uh, traditionally sort of like some of the old balsa style jerk baits. It has sort of the same action in profile, but it's a plastic jerk bait and it's a little bit heavier. So it's a little easier to cast in the wind than those old balsa style ones. So those are the ones that I tend to have in the tackle box and a variety of different colors. Um, I'm going to be looking for anything that are, that are shiny when, when I don't have a lot of clouds and even at night. So something that's kind of a, a chrome with a, maybe a blue back or a black back, maybe a purple back, that sort of a thing. And then if it's, uh, you know, kind of cloudy and overcast and there's just no sun at all or no moonlight or anything like that, then I'm looking for more of a solid color, maybe like a fire tiger or even just a solid white, something like that, Terry. All right. So you get these out there. You know, my experience is that present, presenting these jerk baits this time of the year can really be a key during the summer, we move them pretty fast. We do short pauses. We really move them erratically. The cadence and the length of the pause can really be critical this time of the year. Don't you agree? It really can, Terry. And it, it's hard when you're when you're teaching newbies to this sort of a presentation. It's it's often hard to get them to slow down enough, especially while the water's cold. A lot of times, the pause when we when we pop that jerk bait maybe one, two, or three times just to kind of get it to move and twitch along a little bit. Then we're going to give it a real, real long pause, and that pause could be as short as maybe just a few seconds. But a lot of times, Terry, that pause might need to be 45 seconds to a minute, and that's tough to get people to do, you know. But when you do it and you let it sit there for a real long time, and it's been out there for 45 seconds, and then you feel kick on the end of your line and your line starts screaming off, uh, then it kind of clues you in. That long pause can be the deal in this cold water, and then you'll understand what you need to do. Um, the other key is when you're going out there to look for these fish is understanding where you should be casting, kind of depending on the time of day. And so, and what sort of banks that we're looking for to be making these casts on. So as far as the banks that I'm looking for on these Northern Colorado lakes, I'm looking for banks that have rock on them is going to be the number one thing. So on any different body of water, you're going to have different kinds of rock. Um, some lakes, you know, the only rock on the lake might be the dam and you're looking at medium to large chunk rock. That's going to be your riprap. That's going to be forming that dam. Um, that's going to be the choice because there's nothing else to look for on a lake like Horsetooth, where there's literally rock on probably three quarters of the bank all the way around. There's rock everywhere and there's 30, 40 different kinds of rock on that lake. Um, we've kind of narrowed it down to the medium chunk rock that we're looking for. So it's not the real large boulders. It's not the real flat gravelly banks. It tends to be kind of those 45 degree banks that have a mix of that medium chunk rock with a little bit of gravel mixed in. Um, those are the banks that we're looking for for the walleyes to move up on spawn. Carter Lake tends to be the same sort of a deal on that lake. And then we're looking for the banks that tend to have the wind blowing on them at night or some sort of current on those banks. Those tend to be the areas that the walleyes are going to move in up on to try to spawn. And so the banks in around the inlets can be good because there's water coming in and there's current and there tends to be rock in the middle of that river channel on those inlets or on the banks. And then out on the main lake, the wind blown, 45 degree chunk rock, that sort of a thing, Terry. Now, as far as making cast when you're standing on those banks or if you're shore fishing those banks, um, when I get out there, you know, I'm not an all-nighter kind of a guy, Terry. I don't like going out there and, and fishing in, you know, the dead middle of the night. Um, 
I kind of try to hit those windows of early morning, uh, early evening as the light is kind of diminishing, the sun's starting to set. So it tends to be more of a few hours that I'm looking to really get out there and target those walleyes. Uh, initially, when I get out there, maybe the sun's a little bit higher. There's a little bit more light in the sky. I may be standing on the bank and kind of fan casting, casting straight out, casting at 45-degree angles to the bank, maybe making some parallel cast as well, just kind of mixing it up, uh, looking for walleyes potentially to be a little bit deeper in the light and moving shallower as the sun goes down and it gets dark. Once we get into the evening and it's you know the sun's pretty much behind the clouds or behind the behind the mountains there and we're not getting any sun on the water then my cast tend to be a lot more of a parallel cast Terry and when we say parallel at times it may just be a foot or two off the bank that we're making those casts and trying to work those jerk baits so that's kind of what we're looking for and it produces every single year all right we're going to run out of time but a couple comments I want to make we don't have time to get into them too much but I always have a backup presentation and usually that's a soft plastic like a gulp minnow or a twister tail because if I can't get them on the jerk bait, a lot of times they're on the bottom, I can cast that out. The other thing, Ronnie, and I want you to comment on this, is if you start a little earlier and fish during the day, you're liable to catch some awfully nice trout doing this, too. 100%, Terry, and that is a good call to bring something uh, a little bit more of a finesse presentation, maybe a 3-inch or 2.5-inch gulp minnow, maybe a smaller uh, swim bait, something like that, or a grub that you can work out there a little slower and kind of work through the water column. That can be very effective. Uh, a lot of times when you're throwing those larger jerk baits and you're looking for the walleyes, you'll get trout to follow them in. And so if you're not catching the, the walleyes initially when you get to the body of water, but you're getting followers and it looks Looks like they're the trout, then switch over and, you know, get a few of those, get the rod bent kind of a thing, and then start targeting the walleyes as it gets later. Um, the other fish that I am tend to be looking for also this time of year from the bank are going to be um, smallmouth as well. They get active as well, Terry, and they'll be in a lot of those similar areas that the walleyes will be in. However, they tend to be pretty deep this early in the year when the ice just come off. So I'll also, also have uh, – you know, something like a blade bait or a jigging wrap with me that I can make real long cats way out there and try to hit some of those transition areas. So maybe I'm, I'm working parallel on a dam face or on a dam corner looking for the walleyes, that uh, that that darter style bait or that blade bait, I may pick that up and make a real long cast out to 40, 50 feet deep and try to hit that transition at the base of the dam or something like that and, and look for those smallmouth to be in that area as well, Terry. So that can be very effective as well. We are out of time, my friend, but great, great information, folks. I will post this on my social media so you can listen again. Ronnie, you got to get together very soon. Thank you for joining us. I'm headed to the lake tonight, Terry. I'm going to go catch me some walleyes. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Ronnie Castiglione, right, always a great a part of the Fishbowl Thinker Group. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Tom Petty, that's kind of a, a fitting lead in fitting lead in to this segment because I have some personal things I want to share with you. First of all, a little housekeeping. 
Uh, next week, we're only an hour show because of the NCAA tournament. And in about two weeks, we're going to do some turkey hunting stuff on the show. So you'll want to tune in for that. Um, I'm going to get a little personal. I usually don't do this on the radio, but I don't know if you understand the the depth of the schedule that Karen, my wife and producer, have kept. Uh, for 25 years, we've traveled the world producing two television shows. We meaning she did the work and I got the credit. We've done with this radio show every week for 26, going on 26 years. I wrote a column for the Denver Post. I managed some international businesses for about a third of the a third to half of the United States for many, many years. And we've been in the music industry. In fact, we've recently released uh, over six singles with a couple more coming out, or five, is it? Anyway, we've got a couple more coming out. I want to tell you the value of this lady who's my partner on these uh in my life. First of all, when I was traveling by myself, traveling to Europe and back doing business, she kept my affairs in order. She booked my travel. She made sure everything was good on the home front. When we put the TV shows together, um, she found ways to film me and produce over 300 broadcast television shows that are still available on the best of fishing on YouTube with Terry Wickstrom. And on the radio and on my columns, she always held me to a standard. She never let me get lax. <clears throat> when this radio show, she's still the producer of this radio show. And when is this radio show airs, hopefully you like what we bring you. It's a lot of the work that she does behind the scenes and uh, scenes and making it flow that gets this information out there to you. But show you the kind of details. I'm going to take our music as an example. If she knows we're working on a song, she's highly involved in the production, the lyrics of the song, and how it's going to be presented. And she also, if I'm going to be playing somewhere in front of a group, she'll push me through a 65, 70 song playlist, and she won't let me skip over those songs when I'm practicing. She holds me to a level to make sure that I'm at my best when those things come. Also, a new guitar show up around my house. She keeps buying them and putting them in places where I'll pick them up and play them. So I guess just want to say that I couldn't have done all these activities over these years without having one of the most tremendous partners any man could imagine. That's why I respect her and love her so much and why I am so blessed. Now, we're gonna take we're gonna wrap this up and get out of here before I get too emotional. Don't forget one hour next week, nine ten, but two we'll have some turkey sh uh, hunting probably next week too as Colorado Clays to talk about shooting. We got lots more coming. Join us every week, 9 to 11. Follow us on all our social media, whether it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, Wickstrom and Drollbirth, or the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Thank you to Dante at the studio. Did a great job making this show run smooth. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs>